From the Financial Times in London, I'm David Pilling, Africa editor, and this is FT News. It doesn't seem that long ago that the Democratic Republic of Congo was engaged in a bloody civil war. Joseph Kabila, the current president, is widely credited for his role in helping broker the end of that conflict in 2003 and has presided over a period of relative stability and economic growth since then. But as he comes to the end of his second term, and with no provision in the constitution for him to stand for a third term, Mr Kabila is refusing to step down, threatening to tip the largest country in sub-Saharan Africa into another potentially violent crisis. With me in the studio to discuss this is John Agliombi, the FT's East Africa correspondent who has just returned from Kinshasa, the capital. But first, let's hear a clip from Kinshasa, where groups of protesters have been gathering. John, as these protesters point out, Joseph Kabila is meant to step down today. You've just returned from Kinshasa. What's the mood and what's actually happening today? When I was there last week, the mood very much was that he's got to go. People are fed up with him. They feel that their lives have not got better for many years. Economically, the country is in dire straits and they are bearing the brunt of it. They believe the constitution says you cannot go beyond your two terms in office. His second term ends today and he has to go and they really want to see the back of him. What we're hearing today is that there have been some protests, but not nearly as much as most people expected. And that's probably because of the massive security presence. We're hearing tens of thousands of police backed up by the elite Republican Guard army units are around the city everywhere. The Kinshasa police commander has been telling people that if you want to see your children again, don't let them go out and protest because they probably won't come back alive. And Such intimidation and such suppression really counts for a lot. And then on top of that, the government has shown how serious it is. It's banned football matches. It's blocked most social media sites and access to much of the Internet indefinitely from last night. And so very much the situation is nervousness, anticipation that it could erupt at any time. And Kinshasa is pretty much uncontrollable, people believe, once it really gets out of hand. So there's an atmosphere of repression and fear. But what on earth is the justification of Mr Kabila for saying that he should carry on? Well, he says the country needs a president until a new one is elected. And because no one has been elected, he should stay in office. His opponents, quite rightly in my view, state the reason why no one's been elected is because he and his government have deliberately starved the Electoral Commission of funding for the last two years because organising elections in Congo is a massive undertaking and they needed to update the voter register from the last election in 2011 and that's likely to take over a year and that hasn't been done at all. They just haven't had the money and... The Constitutional Court in May said, yes, you can stay in office until the next election and didn't give any time frame for when it should be. And so he effectively is sitting pretty because if no election happens, he in theory can stay in office. Apart from the issue of democracy for democracy's sake, why should we care? There are two main reasons about why we should care. One is the commodities. Congo is one of the biggest suppliers of copper in the world and also other key minerals such as coltan, cobalt, a lot of diamonds, gold, 
One report I read said that it's home to 1,100 minerals. I don't think I can count that many, but certainly it's home to an awful lot. And some of the world's biggest miners are there, or have been Glencore, Freeport, the Chinese are coming in. So as a source of the world's minerals, it is a key provider. Also, there is the potential for destabilization across the region. I don't think we're there yet, but in the last war that ended in 2003, seven foreign nations invaded, or their proxies did. Up to five million people died. And so therefore, certainly while the country is collapsing, I don't think we're there yet, but there is a possibility that that could happen if people don't pay attention. If Mr. Kabila ever did hold elections, are there credible opposition figures? There are certainly popular opposition figures. The two main opposition leaders are Moise Kutumbe, who's a former governor of the mineral-rich Katanga province, who's now in self-imposed exile because the government have, in my view, trumped up charges against him on various property offences. And then the second leader is Etienne Chisekedi, who served as prime minister and various ministers under the former dictator Mobutu Sesseko, and he ran in 2011 and lost and believes it was stolen from him. The problem is he's into his 80s, fairly frail, and is unlikely to be a very competent leader. Also, the opposition is short of money, and many people are fed up with them as much as Kabila himself. Now, in tiny Gambia, we're seeing a regional response, regional leaders trying to push out the leader who was defeated in an election. Are we seeing a regional and African response to this brewing crisis in the DRC? In a word, no. The Angolans, who are the key players in this, are less enthusiastic about keeping Mr Kabila in power than they were certainly 10, 15 years ago, but they are not at the point of showing him the exit door and pushing him through it. The African Union also is not really doing anything. Some leaders have said the constitution should be respected, but then they also, if you're looking at people like Museveni or Kagame in Rwanda, they've held referendums for them to stay in power longer by altering the constitution. And so people don't want their own homes to be looked at too closely. And so they're not getting too upset about Mr Kabila staying in office at the moment. If the place erupts in violence, then that might change. But at the moment, they're sort of going with the flow, so to speak. Well, finally, I mean, and I don't think it's possible to talk about the state of democracy in Africa as a whole. It's so complex. There are so many countries. But in the countries that you cover in East Africa and the Great Lakes region, have we slipped back from the the moment of euphoria in the 90s when we thought that multi-party democracy was really taking root? Yes. I've recently been in Uganda meeting with the main opposition leader there, Kiza Besige, and he feels that they're certainly going backwards there in Tanzania in the last year, where the socialist style party has been in power for the last 30 odd years, and they aren't exactly being very democratic. The new leader, John Magafuli, is coming under a lot of criticism. Kenya will be the big test looking forwards because they hold presidential and parliamentary elections in August 2017. If those go well, then I think that people think the democracy glass is more half full. But certainly, if looking at other countries at the moment, there certainly are grounds for concern in East Africa. A lot of people are cheering at what's going on in Somalia, where certainly it's far from one person, one vote, but the democratic electoral process is more inclusive than it was, which isn't saying much. But certainly there are small steps in some places, but big picture, I think there are more grounds for concern right. than hope. I think when you point at Somalia as cause for hope, mm-hmm. we, can, uh, we can say there is some concern for democracy in at least the part of Africa that, that you cover. Thanks very much, John. Thank you.
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.